Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Kingsway Podcast from Pastor Sean. You are about to hear a message from a recent Sunday service. We consider it a privilege to be on a spiritual journey with you. So take a few moments with us and allow God to inspire you today. When I think of speed, I think of a speed limit. That's a speed limit, 65. And I like this little sign underneath it. What speed are you going? More than likely, you're going too fast. Now, you know, I kind of laugh at this because I really always stay within the eight-mile limit of a speed limit, right? You're allowed to go faster than the speed limit. Although, when I hang out with Pastor Chris, he will tell you, no, you're not. It's called a speed limit. That's the law. You're supposed to drive the speed limit. So one thing about Chris is he's fast, but he's never too fast. If you've ever driven with him, I mean, this is, this is a thing. This is a thing with him. Am I right, Pastor Chris? Yeah, he, and he tells me. And, and if you bring it up with him, if you bring up the fact that, Chris, you're going about 30 miles an hour, he's like, yeah, it's a 30. It's the law. Do you want to talk about the law? Do you want to talk about obedience? And he starts giving you a whole sermon about how if we are not going to obey the laws of this land, how could you possibly obey the laws of this Bible? Chris is a special guy. Maybe he got the verse from this one. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. It says, when the people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. But whoever obeys the law is joyful. Chris obeys the law and he impresses upon me. This is one of the wisdom nuggets from the book of Proverbs. This verse you know actually quite well. This is the New Living Translation, so it's spruced up a bit. But the verse in classic sense, it goes, without a vision, the people will perish. Did you know what follows it? Well, that's what follows it. I can give you a vision, and you won't perish if you obey it, if you follow it. And if you don't follow the laws, then you probably won't follow any vision or guidance that God is going to give you. It says it right here in 2918 and many other places. I just picked this one up because I thought it was a good one. What vision are we casting today? What is our vision? How does this all work together? Well, let me ask you this. Does anybody know what book we were studying for the month of September? You know, you know, you know. Book of Proverbs. It was a small vision. It was a small nugget, but it was one that was cast. Read the book of Proverbs every day for a month. The book for the day that you're on. It's the 6th, you read Proverbs 6. It's the 8th, you read Proverbs 8. It's the 30th, you read Proverbs 30. Now, you don't have to raise your hands because I don't want to embarrass anyone. But I asked if how many of you have read all 30 chapters for the month of September, you know, how many hands do you think we'd see? Do you think we'd see all of them? No. Do you think we see most of them? I would like to think so. Obedience. Obedience. You see, the book of Proverbs is a very, very interesting book. It's a book you should be spending a lot of time in. You know, there are, I count it, I went through and I did one of these studies with Google. There are 300 separate topics, distinct, covered in the book of Proverbs. And you know what, you know, Amber so eloquently shared with you about what God is speaking to her, about the characteristics of heaven and attracting the presence of God and the 10 traits. And we're going to spend a lot of time on the 10 traits. One of them, in fact, is obedience. Obedience to what? To God's word, his knowledge, his wisdom. If you don't have it, how do you obey it? So 
Those traits attract God's presence to you, attract you to God, allow God to do something in your life. Proverbs is not about that. It's way more practical. It's not super spiritual. It's meant for your everyday, everyday living. So why is God giving to you? So that if you obey it, you get something wonderful, you get a blessing, you get favor? Yes! That's exactly what it is. It's actually a book about personal gain. This book, you could ignore everything in it and you probably would still go to heaven. Nothing in this book is is trying to tell you about your salvation. It's trying to tell you how to walk your life every single day, how to avoid sin and have the favor of God on your life. He's literally trying to pour, the Bible says, wealth, health, and long days into your life. It's not the prosperity gospel. It's not even the gospel. It's Proverbs. It was way back then. Why should we read it? Because there's so much in here that is true spiritual laws over and over again that he continues to reflect as physical ones. There's topics in here about raising your children and how you should discipline them, about how you should treat animals. Listen here. How you should handle money, how you should deal with confrontation. You know, one of the Proverbs tells you how to avoid sudden disaster. It says if you cannot accept criticism, you will encounter sudden disaster. How many of us have ignored wise advice, wise counsel? How many of us have said, man, I could have avoided that disaster? All of us. It's here, as I like to tell my sons, it's the easy way. You can ignore it and live life the hard way. And so that's the vision we're trying to cast today. We're trying to cast one that says Proverbs is something really, really important. There's something in here. There's something for you and for me. There's something that will help our life improve. There was something in here that's better than anything I would preach. All I'm going to do is remind you of what we've already read. Amen? Okay, so I was thinking about these laws, Pastor Chris, and I was saying to myself, can I get them somehow? Can I catch them? He's always so clever with these Bible truisms that he's got me. He found the speed limit and obeying. He's got plenty of other ones. And then it occurred to me, bear with me, it's a little controversial as I make light of this, but there's a DUI, which is driving under the influence, and then there's this, driving while intoxicated, a DWI. And it means just that. It means that it's illegal to drive while you're intoxicated. And so if I asked Chris, would you drive while you're intoxicated? He would say, of course not, because that's against the law. And I am not encouraging that any of us drive while intoxicated. In fact, the Bible says an awful lot about uh, alcohol and the consumption of alcohol. In Proverbs chapter 23, you can read it. It's pretty clear on how it, 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 it describes getting drunk and intoxication by drink. However... It also talks about another type of intoxication. Intoxication by drink is only the one that's the sin. That's the evil one. That's the one we're worried about. That's the one the Bible's trying to avoid us from. But there are other uses of intoxication. The original word is to enthrall, to rapture, to ravish your insides. And again, as Americans, as modern-day human beings, we think of that as, you know, alcohol or drugs or other things. What if I told you the Bible told you to be intoxicated? You'd say, that's blasphemous. That's definitely not in there. What if it was? And what if I would tell you then, Chris, well, then, driving while intoxicated is something that perhaps you should try, not with alcohol, 
But let's take a look. Proverbs 5.19 is probably one of my favorite verses now. The Bible says, may you ever be, you can say it in church, it's okay. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. Now, you also know that we're talking about the book of Proverbs, and the Proverbs personify wisdom as a woman. So maybe you think this is talking about we should be intoxicated with wisdom. No, it actually says you should love wisdom like your sister. So it's not talking about it like that. And it does talk about being intoxicated with another woman that's actually bad for you. But this one is good for you. You can go back and read chapter Proverbs chapter 5. By the way, that would have been yesterday if you're still following the, the Proverbs series. This is talking about your spouse. The feminine version meaning your wife, but if you have a husband, this would be your husband. Always being intoxicated with her love. This is just one of the nuggets I wanted to point out. I was really, really caught by this. I went back and looked at the Greek and checked it out and made sure that this is what it meant. In many cases, intoxication could mean to err. It means to do something negative. But in this case, it means to be totally enthralled, totally captivated. Think about for a moment. Think about intoxication. You've all seen it. Maybe you've experienced it. Let's walk through some of the things that mark intoxication. Excitement. Everything seems wonderful. When you love your spouse so much, when you're in love with your spouse so much that just being around them, everything seems wonderful. It's marked by a euphoria or lowered inhibitions. When I'm intoxicated with my wife, I'll do anything she tells me to do. Laundry, check. Dishes, check. Fold everything, check. Put the kids to bed, check. What do you, what do you got? Grass, check. Pick up the dog poop, check. You know, when I'm not intoxicated with my wife, I think I just ignore all of these things. And then she tries to tell me how a terrible husband I am. Let's keep going on. Behavior. Overly friendly. Talkative. Actually annoying. Speech. Move to rambling. When you are intoxicated with your spouse, you can talk about anything. It, for everyone around you, it seems like rambling to the point where everyone notices and they tell you to stop. Sound familiar? The parallels to intoxication consuming a lot. You see, men, women, young married, seasoned married, to be intoxicated with anything, even your wife's love or your spouse's affection, requires you to consume a lot of it. One shot isn't going to do it. You need to do more and more and more. And it leads, the more that you fill yourself with what it is, in this case, her affection and love, the more you'll need next time, and the more you'll need next time, and that's the way God made it. The next day, after you sleep, you got to do it all over again. And people notice when you're intoxicated. What I'm trying to say right now with this one nugget here, fall in love with your spouse. Find new ways to fall in love with your spouse. Find new ways to enjoy your spouse. It's all over Proverbs, over and over and over again. Amen? So driving while intoxicated, well, maybe that's something I'm willing to do when it comes to my wife's affection. The sermon series that I was preaching says, spend time with wisdom. Wisdom is personified as a woman. 
it actually says in the Bible in many cases that pursuing wisdom is the principal thing. It is the most important thing. It is a thing above all these other things. And then we find out in the Gospels that God made Jesus to be wisdom and wisdom to be Jesus. In Proverbs, it says in many times that before the beginning of the world was wisdom. Elsewhere, it says before the beginning of the world was Jesus. These things marry together very nicely. So when you spend time with Jesus, you're spending time with wisdom. When you spend time with wisdom, you're spending time with Jesus. But to make the point really clear, Solomon, back here in Proverbs, he personifies wisdom as a woman. It says we are to embrace her, to spend time with her, to love her. And so I tell you again, we did 30 days of spending time with wisdom. Some of you blasted through it. Some of you spent some days where you tried to catch up. Yet I missed four days, so I catch up. That's not spending time. That's blasting through it. That's like sitting down in a conversation with your spouse, like, how was your day? Okay, okay, just jump to the end. Okay, I got it. Did you catch anything? No, no, you're good. I'm good. We're good. That's not spending time. As a matter of fact, I encourage you. I'm setting a vision for you for October. Do it again. I wasn't happy with September, so do it again. And that means if you haven't read Proverbs 1 through 5, today is 6, read 6. Then tomorrow, 7, then 8, then 9. Just read the one chapter. It'll take about a minute and a half. I've timed myself. You can hit play on the Bible app, and it'll actually read it to you as you're driving. And if you don't have time for that, just pick one verse in the chapter, one verse, and read it, meditate on it, and watch what the Lord will do. Can you do that, church? Can you do that? And we'll keep doing it until we get it right, but I want you to spend time with wisdom. Who wrote this book? Why should we listen to it outside of it being the Bible? I mean, who wrote it? And does that person have anything that he or she could share with us? Here's that man right there. That man is King Solomon. I love this picture of King Solomon, this painting of King Solomon, um, because it depicts him not as this dictator sitting on a throne casting out orders, but he was a young man, a very young man, when he was king. His dad was none other than David, a chi- a David, the musician for the whole Israel army. He was a man, probably knew how to play some music. He was also a man with great wisdom, and he was a man who asked God when he could have anything he wanted. He asked for wisdom, and God gave it to him. He's a man who fell in love with wisdom and spent a lot of time with wisdom. And I love how he's just sort of depicted in this particular image with his eyes to heaven. But Solomon, well, let's look. Solomon, 1 Kings 4.30, it says, he excelled in wisdom of all the men of East and all the wisdom of Egypt. It means that God gave him so much wisdom that it was earthly wisdom beyond what they had on the East or the West for ancient times or contemporary times. And he had spiritual wisdom above that. People would come to him from all over to hear what he had to say and to hear his thoughts and his mind. Did it end well for Solomon? First Kings 11, verses 1 through 2, I just want to share with you. Now, King Solomon loved many foreign women. Besides Pharaoh's daughter, he married women from Moab, Ammon, Edom, Sidon, and among the Hittites. The Lord had clearly instructed the people of Israel. Now, he's the king of Israel. Clearly instructed him, you must not marry them because they will turn your hearts to their gods. Yet Solomon insisted on loving them anyway. 
He had 700 wives. What? This isn't like first wife, second wife kind of thing. This is, how do you even, have, how do you remember all those people? 700 wives. Now, before I start beating down on Solomon here, he was a great man. We've fought, he was the wealthiest king to ever walk. Billions of dollars in resources built the temple. The numbers are staggering what they estimate the value of the temple built out of gold. Solomon did it. Wrote chapters of the Bible. Was the wisest man. He had a wife whom he loved. Whom he was desperate for. Whom he was intoxicated for through his 20s, through his 30s, through his 40s. Something happened. 700 other women. 300 concubines. And in fact... In fact, they did turn his heart away from the Lord. In Solomon's old age, they turned his heart to worship other gods instead of being completely faithful, not just to his wife, but to God, as his father David had been. 1 Kings 11, 3, 4. This reveals the fact that Solomon, for a while, was not walking with God. How could this be? Such a tremendously wise man. He wrote the scriptures. He built the temple. How could God go wrong choosing him? We could guess that he didn't listen to his father's instructions. We could say the wealth and the fame got to his head. The right answer is, well, his wives turned his heart away. That's what the scripture says. The spiritual truth is very simple. Those who we spend time with can change our hearts attitude towards God. Those who we spend time with can change our heart's attitude towards God. They can cause our heart to drift away and then make God discipline us. Our spouse, in fact, will affect our relationship with God. Solomon drifted away from God like boats drift away from a harbor. Now, was it the women themselves? Was it, were they evil? Was, were they the problem? Or was Solomon? Too many Christians today. Pastor John Callan, I, I read this from his blog, and I just, I needed to take a moment in this sermon and, and say this. Too many Christians today would admire this man and probably place him in church leadership. They would point out that he built the temple. Many would say he was a man of God. All that we needed to look at was how God blessed him with his wealth and his fame. And now that that was a blessing from God on his life, but does it prove that his heart was right with God? Many would say, just forgive him of his womanizing and let him continue to minister. But God was not pleased with him and planned on an ending, which you'll see in a second. You see, God sets a high standard for his leaders. But we still don't get it. So many leaders and Christians all around the world would behave this way with a man of God like this, including the international Pentecostal holiness. At times in the past, it's been that way. In fact, we as a denomination at times ha have completely dismissed women's role in the church, thinking that because of scriptures like this, somehow women are evil and somehow women are the downfall and allow leaders to womanize them and treat them not in the way they were designed to be treated. I just want to tell you today that women have a place in the church. Women should be honored. Women should be propped up in the same way that men should. 
God can speak to a woman in the same way that he could speak to a man. Many of the scriptures are misinterpreted. This is yet another one. And I will go on today and you'll hear a little bit more about women and men today. And I tell you, I want you to rightly divide the word of truth. Amen? His wives were the weak link. Satan uses everything and anything. Solomon turned away his heart. Solomon turned away his heart. Solomon turned away his heart. The women didn't make him. They just gave an opportunity. So he wasn't wholly true to the Lord. Solomon's heart was first divided between women and God, but ultimately it became divided between him and God. People influence us. People influence us. Women, men, all sorts of people. Who are influencing you today? Who's speaking into your life? Who's mentoring you? Who's coaching you? And are the advice they're giving you wise and good counsel? Or is it foolish? Now, specifically, Solomon, he counseled against women because, as you know, he had a big issue with women, as you just saw here. Proverbs chapter 9, you're not going to read it for a couple days, but I believe Proverbs chapter 9 is an extremely important chapter. It's what I call connective tissue. It brings it all together. You read Proverbs and you wonder if it's just a collection of nuggets, a collection of interesting thoughts, a collection of words of wisdom that somehow fit together. And you can read it like that, surely. But now for some of you who are reading it the second time, I encourage you to see how it fits together. See how one chapter leads to another. See how he sandwiches ideas together. What seem like vain repetitions are not repetitions at all, but in fact, importance. Proverbs 9 spells it out beautifully. I'm going to read it really quickly in a second. And I want you to listen. First of all, for those who have not read any Proverbs, time me. How long will it take to read one chapter in your life? Chapter 9, it says, wisdom has built her house. She has carved seven columns. She has prepared a great banquet mixed with wines and set the table. She has sent her servants to invite everyone to come in. She calls out from the heights of the overlooking city, Come in with me, she urges the simple, to those who lack judgment. She says, Come eat my food and drink the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple way behind and begin to live. Learn to use good judgment. Anyone who rebukes a mocker will get an insult in return. Anyone who corrects the wicked will get hurt. So don't bother correcting mockers. They will only hate you. Correct the wise and they will love you. Instruct the wise and they will be even wiser. Teach the righteous and they will learn even more. For the fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. Wisdom will multiply your days, add years to your life. If you become wise, you will be the one to benefit. If you scorn wisdom, you will be the one to suffer. The woman named Folly is brash. She is ignorant and doesn't know it. She sits in her doorway on the heights overlooking the city. She calls out to men going who are minding their own business. Come in with me, she urges the simple. To those who lack good judgment, she says, stolen water is refreshing. Food eaten in secret tastes the best. But little do they know that they are dead in there. Her guests are in the depths of the grave. Heavenly Father, Lord God, Lord, in the finding moments here of this message, Lord, as we're pulling this all together, allow your word to sink deep 
and allow your mysteries to ring true. In Jesus' name, amen. That was Proverbs chapter 9. You can read it like that, and you can gain something from that just by reading it like that. Or you can begin to study it. Or you begin to deep down inside. You know, if you read the first seven, eight chapters, you start to say to yourself, man, Solomon had a problem with women. He's like repeating it over and over and over again. I've showed you why. And you can begin to reflect that, wow, well, maybe, maybe there's a problem with women, as some theologians have come to a conclusion of. Or maybe you can realize the wisest person in the world maybe had something under the covers he was trying to share with you. First thing under the covers, number one, men, watch out for immoral women. That's pretty simple. But we need to hear it six to seven times. Why? Because we all need to hear things six to seven times before it sinks in. That's why Proverbs repeats everything about six to seven times. Second thing, maybe, maybe, in the same way that wisdom is an allegory for something, maybe this immoral woman is an analogy for something. Yes, it has to do with actual women. Yes, and you should be able to glean that from chapters 1 through 6, but it wasn't in, or 7 and 8, and it wasn't until 9 that I realized wisdom is building her house. Wisdom is sending out her servants to invite people to come in. Wisdom is looking for people and saying, come in with me. And then there's another woman. Her name is Folly, and she sits overlooking the city. She's asking people to come in and spend time with her. And then it occurred to me when I read the very last verse, and I want to share it with you here. Entering her house leads to death. It's the road to the grave. Proverbs 2.18. This is talking about an immoral woman. It's talking about having an affair. Proverbs 7.27. Her house is the road to the grave. Her bedroom is the den of death. 7.27. It's talking about an immoral woman. It's talking about having an affair. 9.18. But little do they know that her house, know that they are dead in there. Her guests are in the depths of the grave. It's not talking about an immoral woman. It's not talking about having a sexual affair. It's talking about Lady Folly, another lady who's not much of a lady, more of a madame. And she looks just like the women in the previous chapters. And I'm just giving you a glimpse. You can go back and start comparing how she seduces them to come in, what she offers them. Over and over and over again, you get this woman folly who looks exactly like the immoral woman. And as I shared with you before, I believe Solomon is teaching us not just about cheating on our spouse, but something even deeper about cheating on wisdom about cheating on this lady we are to be in love with. Wisdom. Cheating with folly. They both have houses. They both are calling us to come in. She's literally saying, just look at this here, folly. Stolen water is refreshing. Food eaten in secret tastes the best. She's offering them water and bread. Water and bread. So is everyone else offering water and bread, but she's offering water and bread. A normal thing, and she's saying that because it is stolen and because it is in secret, it's somehow more pleasurable. It's somehow even better. You see, this is the problem with sin, church. Sin is the perversion of all things that are already good. When we take something good and we make it unlawful, when we make it perverted, we now turn it into sin, and that's what folly is telling us, telling us that the same water we could drink elsewhere, if it's stolen, it's a bit sweeter. If it's done in secret, it's a bit better. Folly, church, is after you. Proverbs 9, 
It marks two women. And so I want to read them real quick. Lady Wisdom. Kristen Clark, from her uh, sermon, she said this. Lady Wisdom loves her family and always has their best interest in mind. She doesn't go along with what's popular, but rather boldly calls others to a higher standard. She uses discernment in conversation and doesn't waste time arguing with foolish people who aren't interested in wisdom. She loves counsel and seeks it out. She is eager to grow in wisdom and truth. She knows that true knowledge can only come from God, and she looks to God as the author of truth. She understands that the fear of God is essential to being wise, and she is focused on the big picture and doesn't want to live a life she would regret. That is a summary of the first 12 verses. Now he summarized the last five. Madam Folly is loud and foolish. You don't have to wonder if she's around. She uses allure and beauty to entice. She longs for attention and is constantly on the hunt for it. She is aggressive and pursues others in order to get what she wants. She isn't interested in wise counsel, but rather gravitates towards foolish people. She loves being naughty and convinces herself that sin is actually fulfilling. She's focused on instant pleasure and pursues whatever seems fun, regardless of the long-term consequence. She is blind to her sin and can't see the deadly path that she and her friends are going down. I read it like this because, you know, as I read the last five verses like that, I realized I have fallen prey to folly before. And that's sort of the point of the message. You see, Solomon starts out with this story where these two women come to him and they're looking for advice from Solomon. They're looking for counsel. They need something from him. Two women with this child and he offers good judgment. He offers understanding. And now we're met at the end of his life with these other two women, wisdom and folly. And instead, they offer Solomon something this time. Both offer good judgment. Look, throughout chapter 9, they say, I offer you good judgment. One of them is telling the truth and one of them is lying. Put it another way to make it a little more contemporary. I put this on the screen. It made me think of it as I was putting it together. Someone is calling you every day, every morning, every night. Someone is calling I put here, your lady is calling you, meaning your lady wisdom is calling you. Lady folly may also be calling you. In fact, you could be on the phone with lady wisdom and lady folly will beep in. Now, maybe I've made this too much about men and women. Call it, instead of your lady, maybe call it your man. Your man is calling. Your man of wisdom, Jesus or your man of folly, fill in the blank. But let's make it even more simple. Maybe it's not a lady or a man, because what God is trying to tell us, it's about your future is calling you. Your hope, your future, or your temptation, your downfall. Who are you on the phone with? Who are you listening to? And if you're on the phone with wisdom, folly, is desperately trying to get your attention. And he or she is loud. She's in our culture. She's in everything we see, everything we hear, and she will not stop calling. What does she offer you? Nothing new. 
except for the perversion of what already is. Don't cheat on wisdom. Don't cheat on your future. What is folly? Who is this person? Well, folly is generally connected with an unreflective attitude, just babbling on, asserting your own interests and opinions without consideration for anyone else. Foolishness, it's destructive because, well, it's selfish. It has no regard for anything higher. And here is the point, church. This is what Solomon's conclusion was in the end. And I took like 31 chapters and I'm reducing it to one sermon and I got like two minutes to do it, so bear with me here. Proverbs says, right smack in the middle of chapter 9, when it looks like everything is just random and he's throwing it all in there. He's got lady wisdom over here. He's got woman folly over there. And he's got this verse right in the middle. It says, fear of the Lord. Proverbs sees fear of the Lord is the basis for wisdom. Fools tend to lack this basis. They do not fear the Lord. They do not care to understand the Lord. In a way, another definition for folly is any form of activity that operates without reverence for something greater, something higher. And how many people do you know? How many people are in your circle of friends who operate believing in nothing but themselves, nothing higher, nothing greater? That is lady folly. And the Bible says pretty clear, don't do it. Here's the verse. 9, 10, it says, fear the Lord for it is the foundation of wisdom, or the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It says, knowledge of the Holy One results in, where is good judgment coming from? Knowledge of the Holy One. You're going to get that from wisdom because that's what wisdom is offering. It's very, very interesting. Go back one chapter to chapter 8, and you have this imagery now of Lady Wisdom and what she's doing. And it says, she sets up at the crossroads. What crossroads? The crossroads of your life, church. She's sitting there at the crossroads of your life. That's where she built her house, and she's calling out to you. And she's saying, you could go here or you could go there. You could answer my phone or you could hit decline. You could wait till Lady Folly calls and answer her phone or hit decline. But we're standing at the crossroads, not Folly wisdom. I am here. I am calling you. Please answer. Pick a road. Pick someone to talk to. Pick counsel. Criticism correction, and reverence. But if you don't, there's someone else calling. Arrogance, your culture, selfishness, easy pleasure. As Solomon grew older, I believe he began to depend less on God. I believe he began to depend on his own wisdom to stray even further from God's instruction. Where there was once humble dependence on God, humility, there was now dependence on only himself. In so doing, he strayed from the words of knowledge and effectively strayed from God himself. Solomon preferred his wisdom to God's wisdom, his ways to God's ways. Does that sound like anyone? Pretty much every human being who wakes up in the morning is like, how am I going to get through this day? And you create a schedule how to do it. You asking God for help? No, I can figure this out. The whole earth once sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom. But I believe Solomon soon allowed his own earthly wisdom to overtake his mind. 
Lady Folly. He ceased hearing instruction and strayed from the words of knowledge, Lady Folly. He strayed from wisdom, Lady Folly. He strayed from God, Lady Folly. What happened to Solomon? Real quick here, church, just got a couple verses. The Lord was very angry with Solomon, for his heart had turned away from the Lord. The God of Israel who had appeared to him, not once but twice, he had warned Solomon specifically about, are we talking about adultery anymore? No, we're talking about worshiping other gods. But Solomon did not listen to his command. And listen, it wasn't like all 700 of those women he was attracted to and, and he wanted to have adulterous affairs with. He was doing business. He was doing politics. He was getting new lands. He was getting new inheritance by marrying these women. He was doing something he thought was good for his family and his business. Even though God told him not to, he was using his own wisdom and look what it led to. What did it lead to, Pastor Sean? As clear as clear can be. So now the Lord said to him, since you have not kept my commandments, obeyed the law, since you have not, uh, since you have disobeyed my degrees, I will surely tear the kingdom away from you and give it Give it to one of your servants. Church, if I did not share with you why Proverbs is so important, I would not be doing my job. This book was written by a man who has learned the hard way. And I want you, church, to learn the easy way. If Solomon could stray so far from the Lord, I know that I could too. That's a sobering thought. It's a terrifying thought. Thankfully, the solution to avoiding the folly of Solomon is clear. We need to ensure that we never cease to hear instruction. We must live constantly focused on God's word, never believing that we have learned enough. We must know from this day to the day we die that we need to maintain a humble dependence on God we must trust his words of instruction will continue to edify us, continue to strengthen us, protecting us from the words of this world, those words that we must trust to keep us on the straight and narrow. Solomon had everything. What more could a person want? The answer is a closer relationship with God. His father had warned him to walk with God, he had even visited him. He saw the blessing of miracle of God on his life, and yet he still sinned greatly, and he went after other gods because of Lady Folly. Church, I'm ending with a somber thought on purpose. Each one of us could be in a spiritual high or a spiritual low. We can know exactly where God has taken us tomorrow, or we cannot see the end. Lady Folly does not care. She's calling. We all will be tempted. We all will be tried. Every day, each day. But Lady Wisdom stands at the crosswords. And I'm reminded, as I share with you before and I share with you again, the serpent did not tempt Adam and Eve to steal, steal, to kill, or to commit adultery. It's not where he begins, and it's not where he ends. That's the stuff in the middle. He simply tempted them to dismiss God's word. Do not dismiss Lady Wisdom this morning. She's at the crosswords and offers you so much. 
It's laid out in 31 chapters. We at Kingsway hope you enjoyed this message from Pastor Sean. It was not by chance you listened to it. God is speaking to you. Visit kingswaycc.org to find the podcast from Pastor Sean. We pray today that this somehow inspired you to draw closer to God and to connect with His people, His purpose, and His power. God bless you.